podium going to come? Oh, hey, um, yes, I get to introduce our speaker. I get that part, too. Okay. Um, so, if you don't know, we have an amazing, amazing worship leader, and those girls were um, kind of awesome, but we do have an amazing worship leader. His name is Charlie McCracken, and so far with me being here, he's just been such a blessing to know, and just to hear his passion for Jesus has been super cool, and we hear him sing songs, but now we get to hear him talk about his heart and the verse that changed his life, and I cannot wait to hear, so give it up for Charlie McCracken. <laughs> One, two. Can you all hear me? Wow. I mean, really? I could stop now. We have had church already. How about love all? Come on, somebody. You talk about the anointing of God. Wow. And Evan, what a great message. I, I, I'm so proud of all the seniors and, and the graduates, and I, I just truly want to tell my daughter, Cheyenne, I'm so very proud of you. A master's degree, and all I have is a GED. Come on, somebody. God is faithful. I love you, sis. Wow, so I don't know where to start, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, most of you know we've been in the series called um, The Verse That Changed Your Life. And I've listened to the sermons of these series and these mighty men of God that have come up here and have shared their hearts. And um, I've been challenged. I know you have been challenged. Um, and it's so, so amazing to share a scripture that changed your life, you know. And, and if we would just realize that um, you have that capability. I want to challenge you before we even get started this morning that find the scripture that's changed your life and share it with somebody. Share your personal experience. You don't have to tear this morning. You all ready? Let us pray. Father, I just thank you this morning, God. I just ask, God, that you just take these lips of clay, God, and just allow the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth, God, Lord, not only be pleasing, God, but Lord, just Holy Spirit, remove me from the equation, God. The words you've given me, God, let it let it pierce, God, the hearts of, of your family today, God. Lord, let us, be, let us grow in grace, God. Lord, we just love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You know, when Pastor Will asked me about speaking on the verse that changed my life, I had to really think about that. There's so many scriptures in my life that I love and so many scriptures that have been instrumental in my daily walk. However, the reason I've chosen this verse is because it has continually and is changing my life every day. Okay, so 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, what a great promise. Now, as I was studying this, I learned that John wrote the letter to believers. A lot of people think it was wrote to unbelievers, but as you study the times and the culture, he was actually talking to believers like you and I that love Jesus yet live in a fallen world where sometimes we blow it. Have you all ever blown it before? Nudge the one next to you and tell them, don't blow it. Believe me, I have blown it and I, I blow it too. My wife's down here saying amen right now. By the, by the way, I do want to give my wife honor, um, not only for what she does for me, but what she does for our family. And um, we've had some challenges, but God has proven himself faithful time and time again. Amen. So I love you, sweetheart. You know, I personally feel that some of us have a very, very hard time understanding how the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the great I am can actually communicate to us individually and on a personal level. So today I'm going to attempt to unpack some things. 
that prevent us from having a personal relationship with our Savior. And I also want to look at how he does forgive our sins and gives us access, direct access to him and his kingdom. Now, I also want us to understand that we are the living temple of God in spite of our failures and our tendency to sin. I'm going to pull up my sleeves. Y'all good with that? I'm getting ready to get serious here. So the message I prepared for you, it isn't fire and brimstone, but I feel it's a message of opportunity. So please understand me. Our actions do have consequences, sometimes good, sometimes bad. However, through our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we can confess our sins and He's faithful to forgive us. Now, I realize there are many ways to sin. And in the Old Testament, God gave us a clear, concise directive in the 20th chapter of Exodus. He gave us the Ten Commandments, which most of us are very familiar with. However, I feel that there are areas in our lives that each one of us are working on daily. Amen? These are areas that we fall short in. So my first point I want to give you today is simply, we are all working on something. Now, listen to what Paul is saying in Romans 7, 14 through 16. Now, this is the message translation. He said, I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself, and after all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So, if I can be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. Now, I want to skip down to verse 25, and here's what he says. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. You ever felt like that? To me, Paul's keeping it real. So, we have eight grandkids, and I, I need both hands for this. We've got Gabby, we have Devin, he's with us here today. He's up from Tennessee helping us on some projects. We have Brody. Brody, about four or five years ago, actually stood up here and sung a song when he was a little bitty. Um, younger, I should say. We have Cambria. We have Benjamin. We have Ellie. And then we have little Brandon. He's here somewhere. He's the, the youngest of the tribe. But I've noticed something when it comes to um, correction. You know, when they get in trouble. And I'm going to focus on Cambria and, and Benjamin and, and uh, little Parker. So it's funny. With Cambry and Benjamin, when they get corrected, they get in trouble. They cry and they feel so bad. They feel remorse. They, they, it breaks their heart because they broke our hearts. It's so cute because they just feel, you know, that they've done something wrong. And then it just breaks their hearts. And you can just see it in their tears and, and the way that they, they the remorse. And, and sometimes we're like that with God. But Parker, however, she's kind of, she's like me. She's the free-spirited out of the whole bunch. So sometimes she gets distracted like me very easy, but... When she's corrected, and especially with me, sometimes she doesn't handle it very well at all, especially with her siblings or her parents, and sometimes with Nan. But with me sometimes, especially if she's on the iPad, I'll correct her and say, hey, we can't be doing that, Parker, whatever. She'll look at me. She'll stop. She says, I'm sorry, Papaw. And then she says, Papaw, you're so handsome. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. 
Don't we do that to God sometimes? About a month ago, we're walking through the mall, and we were on our way to, we we're all going to drive the little furry things to drive. Well, we were, there was the little kids. And Parker, now you know how marketing, they know how to market stuff in the mall. You have all these kiosks, and you, you see one kiosk might have cell phones. And then, you, of course, that appeals to the teens. Then you have the jewelry that appeals to the women and the thugs. And then you, have, then you go down a little farther, and you have all these little toys and things, okay? And they make, it, they make it low enough where the kids can go up and grab them, and they don't want the parents, you know, they want the parents to buy this because the kids aren't letting go of this stuff. Well, we're walking through the mall, and I look over, and we look over, and Parker, we just, we're, just, we're on a mission, and she's way back here at one of, I don't know if it was emojis or whatever, but she was over, she was just staring, looking at it, and it's like, come on, Parker, let's stay focused. And I was surprised. She turned around, and she walks back with the rest of us. And I'll never forget what she said to us. She said, I really am trying. I wasn't used to that response. I told my wife later, I was like, wow, that just really touched my heart, because sometimes that's what we're telling God. I really am trying. So this brings me to my my next point. Confessing creates connection. You see, by regularly confessing our sins to God, we remember that the blood of Christ shed for us covers a multitude of sins, past, present, and future. Let me say that again. Past, present, and future. So not only is this a principle to live by daily, to me it's so much more. It's a promise, a promise that promotes his faithfulness and his forgiveness. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he restores his righteousness in us. That's right, I said righteousness in us. Now, you might say, well, Brother Charlie, now you think you're righteous. Well, actually, we all are if we're in Christ Jesus. And that's a lot of times it's hard for us to understand that concept, that we are righteous And by the way, in case you didn't know, the definition of righteousness is simply right standing with God. Let me read Romans 10, 4. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Let me read that again. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Do you believe today? Matter of fact, in John 6, it's not up there. But Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. So what you're saying is, Charles, all I have to do is believe? Yeah. Now, I know there's a lot of dynamics in there, but yeah. Because you see, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are put in right standing with God by grace through faith and the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? So, so many times I talk to people, and I travel a lot in my in journeys in, in, in my business, in, in the business that I do, and, and different things. And you all talk to people in our workplaces. But one thing I hear a lot when I ask people that have been hurt by the church or don't go to church, they, they always say, well, I, I don't want to go in there with a bunch of hypocrites. And my response is, come on, what's one more, right? Think about that. So, but I just think it's, it's interesting how people has, have a set... Um, Opinion on not going to church because they're hypocrites. So, and I just want to add here too, um, a lot of times at the end of service or when we have prayer time, we see people come up here and they're praying. Um, how many times, you don't raise your hand, how many times have you seen someone come up here and pray and you thought, oh, I wonder what they did in their life. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what's going, I wonder what kind of backsliding they're doing. Have you ever thought that? Don't raise your hand because most of us might. need to allow people to have grace in our lives 
And not always assume that they're up here or they're praying because there's something going on. For me, a lot of times there is something going on, whether I'm praying for somebody or there's a family issue. But don't be quick, too quick to judge about what's going on in people's lives. We are the body of Christ. We are family, folks. Amen. So the next point I want to bring to you. Through our confession, God shows us compassion. Through our confession, God shows us compassion. Let me tie this in. Micah 7, 19. Now, this is the English standard, standard version. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You see, not only does God's compassion create forgiveness in our lives and blot out our sins if we confess them to him, he remembers them no more. Let me say that again. Not only does God's compassion create forgiveness in our lives and blot out our sins, if we confess them to him, he remembers them no more. Now, this is a hard concept for us to get. The Bible says he throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. So I was very, I I was just in awe in worship this morning. I asked the girls if I could do this, but I was just in awe. And it's amazing how every song they sang this morning talked about sin and forgiveness and God's love. I mean, I don't believe in coincidences. I never do, especially when it comes to to the Lord and especially when he's trying to speak to me. But I was just in awe this morning as I was over there praying and, and just getting in worship. I just felt the anointing of God. I mean, sometimes you just feel that, especially in these services. But I want, I want to say that I, I told him I was going to do this. Verse 3 of the song that they wrote, that God had inspired them, that they, they pinned in their heart to give us as a gift. It says, I lay myself broken at the foot of your cross because my sin was erased when you moved that rock. Now I don't have to live fearing captivity because the God with the power has the power to free and I think one verse says um, something about he provides and, and forgives us our sins. He provides our way out. But I really like the pre-chorus. It says, rebuilt through you in this war, the dark will lose. Wow. I mean, I don't just hear those words. I feel those words. And as I was worshiping this morning, I thought, wow, Lord, what a blessing to be able to have an opportunity as we sing and as we praise God to reflect on what I'm lacking. To reflect on my life, where it stands at now. What, am I, what is my thought process? How do I respond to people? How do, I, how do I love people when they're not loving me back? Why am I so judgmental sometimes? Could it possibly be the disease of self? Could it be the enemy that's warning against your soul? God has given us a way out. And ladies, I thank you for that. That's just so inspiring. I, I'm sure you, if you haven't already, I'm sure you're going to record that. And I will definitely download a copy of that. Thank you so much. The Bible also says he has casted our sins as far as the east is to the west. Now, here's another concept that we have a hard time accepting. Because, well, I'll just leave that alone. It's not up on the screen, but Psalms 103.12 says, now this is the NIV He has removed our sins as far far from us as the east is from the west. You ever read that scripture before? Do you just read it as a fleeing thought? Or do you really sit there and just 
mull it over in your mind and say, wow, the east is the west. Well, how far is the east to the west? Well, some people say from uh, California to New Jersey. But it's not if you look at the, the globe. If you look at the world, it goes all the way. It just doesn't stop. I want to read you part of the lyrics of the song East to West by Casting Crowns. You know, I feel that Mark Hall, the writer here, is expressing what most of us are feeling or have at least felt in the past or one time or maybe more in our lives. And here's what it says. I know you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, it's hard for me to say it or read it without seeing it so much, right? And I stand before you now as though I've never sinned. But today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me how far the east is from the west? Because I can't bear to see the man I've been come rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy I find rest. Because you know just how far the east is from the west. From one scarred hand to the other. Now, I really love the bridge of the song. As it goes into the song, the bridge really, it just hits me so hard because it almost looks like a solution or resolution to what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling at the time. And, and, and let me interject here. Our, our feelings aren't always facts. You know, um, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And sometimes when we follow our heart, we get deeper. We get further away from where we started. But I just want to encourage you in that. Just trust him in that area. But the bridge says... I know you've washed me white, turned my darkness into light. I need your peace to get me through, to get me through the night. I can't live by what I feel, but the truth your word reveals. I'm not holding on to you, you're holding on to me. Now think about this. Isn't it kind of funny how we try to remind God of our failures and our mistakes? After we've confessed them or we've prayed and we've just laid them all at the cross, we've laid them at, at the altar, we've laid them at his feet. After we've actually thrown our crowns at his feet. Isn't it funny? And, we do, and when we do remind him, the reality of it is, he has no idea what we're talking about. You know why? Because he's forgiven them. They are no more. Let me say that again, because this, this was the hardest thing for me to get in my life. When we do remind him, he has no idea what we're talking about. You know why? Because he's forgiven them. They are no more. So many times, I'm going to say me more than you, but us, we roll our cares over to him only to pick them back up again. Now, think about this. Life gets crazy and a lot of things happen in our lives and we have all these thoughts and all these things we have in our life. But how often does the devil, and yes, he's real, folks, does the devil remind us of our failures and our mistakes? How often? Matter of fact, the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. So what does that mean, Charlie? He's constantly, just like he did with Job, he's constantly reminding us what we have done in the past. Church family, listen to me. If we confess our sins, they have been forgiven. Let me say it again. If we confess our sins, they have been forgiven by the only one who can forgive, truly forgive. So the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Amen.
You have the power. You can rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Now, and plus, I've read, I've read the end of the book, and I'm pretty sure you have too. He has been defeated. Amen. We win. Come on. So, what a great segue into my next point. It's going to start getting real in here. Our identity is not in our failures. I believe so many times we are reminded of our failures and mistakes. I, I know I am. And this mentally, and this mentality, I'm sorry, sometimes prevents us from having a victorious personal relationship with Jesus. Now, most of you know I do prison ministry, and the prisons were closed for down for a couple, couple years. And uh, about four years ago, the church, or four or five years ago, I, I did a Kairos event, and the church actually got involved. They, they actually did a collection, and they started making cookies. I think our church actually made over 4,000 cookies. We went to Wabash, and, and Wabash has different levels of security up there, different levels of um, um, offenders. So some of them are, are minor, some of them are more major, but uh, when I got up there, I was doing the music for the weekend, and, and I need an assistant, and, and the, the uh, chaplain and the guys that ran the, hey, you got to meet Chuck. Chuck's going to help you. He's going to, Chuck can sing, he can play, he can play drums. This guy's going to help you get set up, and it's like a three-day event. And so I met Chuck, and I just instantly, I love this guy. I was like, wow. And, and as we went out through, through the event, and you don't normally talk about what offenders have done. Now, I've, I've got a past. Um, two years ago, I actually had a felony that was um, expunged and actually got my um, I permit to carry a handgun. That's kind of scary, but that's, one, that's God's grace. And, but that was from 1989, some decisions and choices I'd made. But, so as I was with Chuck all weekend, I just, man, I love this guy. And I'm thinking to myself, every day I'm thinking, man, I've got to get this guy to church, man. I'd love for him to come and just play one Sunday with me. This is, you know, and, I, and in my mind I had it all worked out, you know. And, and I started, and I was building a relationship. And you don't really ask them what they did. And some of the guys on the teams, because there are actually people, guys that work these Kairos events and go to prisons, they're actually kind of scared to go into the prisons. Which, But anyway, sometimes you can, you'll know who your prayer partner is, and you can get online, and you can docs pop them and see what their felonies are, what, what they've done. I didn't do this with Chuck. I, I'm around that kind of stuff all the time. I'm not concerned about it. But so I'll never forget, it was about the third day. It was one of the last days. And I said, Chuck, I said, gosh, I said, you're just amazing. I mean, your love of God, the way you share the gospel in here. I said, you know what? I said, I bet you cannot wait when you get out. I said, matter of fact, when you get out and he stopped me, he said, Charlie, I'm never getting out of here. I'm doing life in prison. My heart just stopped, and I thought, okay, Lord, what's my response? And sometimes there is no response. Now, listen, I'm talking no parole. And so I just had to stop back, because in my mind, I had it all worked out. I wanted this guy to come and, 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 you know, play with me, and it was just amazing. Now, I understand Chuck's choices got him there. However, Chuck has made the choice to serve God in spite of his consequences. So one thing I often tell people, from a hangnail to a hangnoose, God has got you covered. I know it's kind (laughs) of unorthodox, but it's true. Every area of our lives, we can take to him. Now, of course, this is great advice until I'm personally going through something, right? Myself, then I don't want to hear any advice that I give people. But... Confessing our sins daily or as needed is a demonstration of our faith in God's sanctifying grace. Amen. 
And believe me, we all need a double dose of it. Romans 8, 1. Now, this is the English Standard Version. There is, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So 2003, I was actually, I went through a, uh, I started in a homeless shelter. I was lost. I had nothing. I was down to nothing. I'd expended all my resources, burned every bridge. I actually had warrants for my rest, and it's, it's just a part of my past or whatever. But anyway, um, I'd actually went through a homeless shelter. That's when I met my best friend, Ron McGahee, and he's been with me ever since. Um, that's been, what, over 20 years ago. But as I completed the program, went through the homeless shelter, then you, then you kind of go through a program, and then you kind of, you have a choice. You can either go out in the work, to work, in the, or you can be like, you can work for them. Well, I was actually the uh, coordinator for about, I think, 9 to 11 months. I can't remember how long. But once I finished that part of it, I knew I had to face reality and face my responsibilities that I had been evading from my whole past. And, and a lot of it revolved around my childhood environment. But see, I had to get to the point where I quit blaming everybody for my problems, regardless of the things I had no control of. But anyway, I started working at this place called Kentucky Trailer. And what Kentucky Trailer is, you've seen these big moving van lines, like United Van Lines. They, they build trailers for those semis that, that move the furniture, those big van line companies. And I was working next to a lady. And, and listen, when I got saved or rededicated my life, I was on fire for God. I didn't care who you were. I would tell, I'd go down the streets of Louisville. We, matter of fact, we would go down there and we'd take an old guitar and we'd pray, whatever. But I started working with this lady. And, and we, we were actually working. We were putting paper on these trailers because they were getting her paid them. And I spent days after days, hours and hours of this. So we had a chance to talk about a lot of things. And I was just sharing my love of Christ with her. And she kept telling me, what, God, what I've done, God will never forgive me. And I thought, come on, now I've heard that said. But they, listen, working with her for three months, day after day, I'd always try to bring that conversation up. And she said, no, I'm serious. What I've done, God will never forgive me from. I said, come on, you know. So I was praying about it, and I talked to different people. I'm like, come on, God forgives everything. Well, I mean, there's one unforgivable sin, and it, this is another sermon or whatever. I mean, that's above my pay grade or whatever. But, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I mean, you know how hard that is for believers to do? But anyway, but she kept talking about the sin. I'm like, there's got to be. I mean, I've, I've thought of all the Ten Commandments. She says, I just don't, I, I, there, he won't forgive me. And one day, after three months of talking to her, I said, you know, and I was almost in tears. I said, I, I'm just confused. I said, I, I've rededicated my life. I said, I'm not so sure. I said, look, you, you, you were at church as a child. I said, I understand. What have you done? I said, you can trust me. Can you tell? I mean, it was driving me crazy. Because I thought, wait a minute. Am I missing something here? She said, when I was younger, I had an abortion. Um. You know, that's small potatoes for God. It really is. And I, I just, you know, I was just thinking, wow, you know, that's it. Because, I mean, so many times we, we, we want to judge people's society. And not just that, but a lot of other things. And God is faithful. So really, here's the deal. So it doesn't matter what the sin is. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you might say, Charlie, I don't know what, I don't know, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. We have a God that's bigger than any problem, and there's nothing you can surprise him with. You know, another amazing thing about God's sanctifying grace and love is the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Lamentations 3, 23 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Okay? 
Now, sometimes I, I know I have a bad attitude at work. I, I guess I'm the only one. Or at home. I really need that mercy. You see, we can start our day new every day and start it over just by confessing and talking to him. And sometimes we might have to even apologize and ask forgiveness to those who are around us. This action often indicates that there is true sincerity and humility when we do that. And the last point today, and I'm just going to start laying the plane here. We can come to God anytime or anywhere. You see, we are the living temple of God. I didn't say we are perfect. I said we are the living temple. Now what this does, this gives us access 24-7. Let me explain. So for us to understand that we are living, that we are the living temple, we need to have a basic understanding of the original temple. So the house that was built in King Solomon's temple 3,000 years ago in Jerusalem in Israel was by far the most revolutionary, amazing place that was ever built by human hands. Not only because of its beauty and its exterior, but because of its purpose. And the purpose of the temple is not so important for us to understand because sometimes I don't believe we realize how blessed we are to live in the new covenant. Amen? We can call to Jesus anytime and anywhere and he'll be there. And I feel sometimes we take that for granted, me included. You see, back in the old covenant and the Old Testament, it was different. This was before Jesus, before the blood, before the cross, and before the open grave. You see, sin was still a problem. Sin still kept even people, the people of God, separated from God. Now, although the Old Testament, we read how sometimes God would break through the veil. I mean, like, make his presence known. Make his presence known. Like, maybe a burning bush or a pillar of fire. That was personal. But not everybody got to experience that. The big problem was that you can never know when or when or where that would happen. It was like if you were lucky and you were at the right place at the right time, you could experience his presence personally. But most of the people of God had to come to terms with the fact that even though they believe in God and served and loved God, they would never experience God once in their lives. Now think about that. Until God speaks to King David and he says, I want a house built. David receives a vision. He raised the funds. He hands the project over to his son, King Solomon, who builds the house. And it's dedicated. But it's, there's still not much information on the true purpose of the temple. Now watch this. At the night of the dedication, God appears to Solomon and reveals the master plan, the true purpose of the first temple. So in 2 Chronicles 7, 15 through 16, here's what God said. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name will be forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. So for the first time in history, God created a permanent connection between heaven and earth. So when the Jewish people came to the temple, they would know that the presence of God would be there. His heart would be there. His eyes would be there. His name would permanently be attached to this place. So for the first time in history, they would know that God was present in this place. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Charlie, that's interesting, but it's 2023. We're in Vincennes, Indiana, and that was over 2,500 years ago. Okay, stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. You see, the temple building is no longer standing, but the temple principle still is. For we are the living temple of the living God. Let me say it again. We are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. So it's kind of funny when I hear people preach on that we are the temple of God. Because they basically say things like this. Exercise daily. Eat vegetables. Don't smoke. I mean, that's good advice. 
But the temple was a permanent connection between heaven and earth. Here we go. You see that connection is still there, but the temple comes in a different face and a different shape. It comes in the face of you. The shape of you. God has still attached his presence to a permanent place, but it's no longer a building in Jerusalem. It's you. We are called to live in that presence and take that presence into our world. I'm going to go ahead and have the girls come back up. I've got a question. What's preventing you from living in the fullness of what God has created you to do? Or created for you? Is it unconfessed sin? Is it worry? Is it lust? Is it greed, doubt, jealousy, fear, unforgiveness, anger, depression, prescription pills, pride? That's a big one. I struggle with that. We all might. Sickness, lying, sexual sin, stealing. Maybe it's dishonoring your parents. Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's murder or disobedience, drugs, alcohol. Maybe you're very judgmental. Maybe it's something I haven't named. Maybe it's something you're hanging on to. You see, I don't know what you're hanging on to, but Jesus does. Here's a couple promises that he's given us. Now, these are promises. These are things that he said he would do if we trust him. 1 Peter 5, 7. Now, this is the voice translation. Since God cares for you, let him carry all of your burdens and worries. And the second one is Psalms 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. There's that word again because you're in right standing. I know it sounds easier than it is. However, if he said it, we need to learn how to believe it, me included. So my prayer today, church family, is that together we would allow the conviction of sin, create a repentant heart, prompting us to confess our sins so he can forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So we're going to have a time of just a a brief moment here as they sing the last song. Now, the way we do things here, if you want to pray by yourself, you can come over here and just pray. Just whatever God's laid on your heart. If you want to come over here, someone will come and pray with you. But I want to challenge you, and I want you to think of what are those things in our lives that have been forgiven, but we haven't forgiven ourselves of. Ladies, would you lead us?